This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. You are listening to All Things Azeroth, episode 694. For Haster, rest in peace. Today's sponsor is Audible. Get a free audiobook download at bit.ly slash ATA Reads 2020. That's bit.ly slash ATA Reads 2020. Nearly 500,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Today's show is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at tryexpressvpn.com slash expressata2020. That's T-R-Y-E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash expressata2020 for three months free with a one-year package. Visit tryexpressvpn.com slash expressata2020 to learn more. Finally, we are sponsored by Funko, maker of the world's broadest selections of vinyl figures, from Pops to Dorbs, Rise to Mugs, and so much more. Check them out at bit.ly slash FunkoATA. Coming to you from the exotic land known as Canada, eh? You're listening to another episode of All Things Azeroth. Now we present your awesome hosts, the always stalwart and honorable Maedros, the commander of the fell and master of demons, Death. The non-vegan meat shield, my warrior brother, Toasty. And the high priestess of the Everlight, Allie. She ain't from Canada, but it'll work. It's the internet. Just go with it. They are bringing you your news from the world of Warcraft. This is All Things Azeroth. And welcome back to All Things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. I'm your host, Medros. And with me, I have Toasty. Hey, Toasty. Hey, Medros. How's your week been? Um, it's been a rough one, honestly, and for obvious reasons. For anybody who's been following along on Twitter or just listened to the title of the show, it's been rough. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk more about that in just a bit, though. Um, how was your weekend? Well, uh, my weekend well was pretty full, actually. Um. I took I took Thursday and Friday off of work because we kind of day on Wednesday, so I gave myself an extra long weekend. Um, did the usual rating thing? Well, not usual rating thing. Like we're doing rating, we're not doing the usual stuff. We're we're uh, we we we're blowing through some of the stuff, some of the content that we didn't do before. Uh, for example. Do you remember the Raid Crucible of Storms? I completely forgot about it. And apparently um, the rest of my Raid group, prior to me joining, completely forgot about it at some point too. They did normal and just never got around to doing heroic. So we went ahead and did that. And then we uh, decided we were going to try to get uh, Mythic Jaina down for um, Dizzy Valor. Uh, We didn't get super far into the instance. I think we got the first three bosses down um but I mean we were also going into that raid with ten people and that raid is balanced for twenty now we have the numbers to do it like the numbers we're putting out tells us we should be able to clear the content it's just that we've never done that raid on mythic so we're learning we're having to learn the mechanics and for some of us, we're learning all the mechanics, including the ones that were on normal and heroic, because we hadn't done that raid. 
Like, for example, I've only ever done that raid on LFR, and I did it the one time just to see what happened. So I'm learning a bunch about this fight, about all these fights as we go kind of thing. It's like we're not being super serious about it, it's just something fun to do as a group. That kind of thing. Um, and then I went ahead and did some Mythic Pluses, did a bunch of Mythic Pluses. I think I've, this past week I've done more Mythic Pluses than I've done in all of, uh, all of BFA, which I, was, was actually a lot of fun. Um, before, when I was doing Mythic Pluses, I was solo queuing and just going in with randos, and that was, like, it was okay. I had fun doing that, but, like... There were always bits that frustrated me about it, and frustrated me to the point where, like, okay, like I've, I'm doing it, I'm okay with doing it, but I, I, I don't want to put my time into this when realistically I don't need the gear, and there's other content that I want, I'd rather be doing. <clears throat> but uh, as usual, when you're not pugging uh, content, it's and and just doing it with guildmates and friends and stuff like that, the content got a lot more fun. So. Mythic Plus was okay, and I'm probably going to do it again this week, because why not? I don't think we're going to be... I don't think we're going to be regularly running Nyalotha anymore, because everybody who uh, helped us get AOTC has gotten it at this point. So we're going to be focusing on other content. Um, and then when I wasn't doing the group stuff with Mythic Pluses and rating and all that, I was leveling up some characters, I... Got my demon hunter up to one twenty, so that is done. I'm, I, and I think I'm going to start on my druid next, which is at level one hundred. Um, took advantage of all the time walking stuff, and you know the uh, experience buffs from all the other events that are going on right now. So I leveled that pretty quick. Uh, so hopefully the druid will be just as fast. Uh, so, but we'll we'll see about that. Also briefly logged into my Warlock and started going through Nazmir? No, not Nazmir. Oh, what was the name of the zone with all the blood trolls? Blood Shoot. trolls? Um, no, it's Nazmir. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so started going through all that because I want to. I, I want to get that achievement for finishing the war campaign on both sides. Because why not? Horde, horse, and alliance wolf. And I, I like the wolf mounts, so I want. I want a wolf. That's uh, cool. But that's that's about it. Uh, wow, wise. I say that's about it. I I actually did a lot. But uh, yeah. Uh, how about you? How was your weekend, Wow? Uh, did not do a lot in WoW this week. Uh, I did log in here and there. Um, basically just, like, checking my mule and stuff. Uh, did a bit of, uh, visiting some old places, um, uh, later, later in the weekend. And, um, yeah, didn't, uh, didn't do... Too much wowing this week. I did play the beta or the alpha a little bit. Uh, got stuck on an encounter with an elite boss that killed me and then uh, just failed to be able to get what I needed done 
uh, in that regard. So uh, I'm sure if I could find some folks to do it with me, uh, that would be more viable. Uh, but I, I don't know for certain because it may be a phased content thing where it's single player. Uh, I'd have to look into that and see for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that was pretty much my wow time this week. Uh, not a significant amount, but uh, you know, a little more than I do some weeks. So. Oh, that's another thing I did too. I I I, I played beta. I I started doing the intro experience for Shadowlands, and that's. That's interesting. There's a lot of interesting things going on. So it's changed significantly since we did it that day? Sorry? It's changed significantly since we did it that one time? Oh, no, sorry. Oh. That's the, that's the, you're thinking of Exile's Reach. I'm talking about the intro into Shadowlands. Oh, so there, okay, that, that's, okay, I didn't, didn't know that was there. Yeah. And All right. There are some interesting things going on there. I haven't finished it yet, but... Some of those conversations are raising some eyebrows for me personally, but not going to talk about that because we you know, we don't do spoilers often. We have think we've done it once since I've been on this show. We try to avoid that. Yeah, but yeah, cool. All right. Well, uh, Allie is not here uh, as was originally planned last week. She was not going to be here. Because of moving, that got changed because of mortgage people, and now she's not here because she moved. And I don't know if she has internet, but she's too busy right now. So uh, we hope to have her back next week. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about our first sponsor. Our newest sponsor is the folks over at Funko. If you haven't heard of them by name, you've definitely seen their products. They make collectible vinyl figures from a bunch of Blizzard universes, from Warcraft to Overwatch, Heroes to Diablo. Heroes to Diablo, and even more from outside the Blizzardverse, like Firefly, Star Wars, and Doctor Who. Now, I like to highlight a Funko Pop each week, and this week I decided to go... Well, I decided to go a little bit old school. Uh, this is an older one. I don't know if it's not available in the shop anymore, but I know it was at one point. Uh, it is... Uh, it's Thrall. I love this. It, it's in my collection. It's one of the ones that I marked as I'm never selling this in my lifetime, uh, because it's too... Just too awesome. Uh, this is, I think this is probably a, a seven or eight year old Funko Pop. Like it's one of the first ones they did. Yeah, you can tell it's old because it's still got Thrall's OG armor. Yep. And he still has Doomhammer. Yeah, he does. That's not a spoiler anymore, right? No. <laughs> I don't think so, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I just I, I really like this one. Uh, they also did, like, Sylvanas and Arthas uh, back then. Uh, just some really iconic figures in World of Warcraft, so. Uh, and you'll hear later in the show why this is a, a, a notable Funko Pop. Um, but uh, if you want to check out this Funko and many others, go to bit.ly slash FunkoATA, check out their online shop, and use Shop10 to save 10% on your entire purchase. That's bit.ly slash FunkoATA, and use Shop10 to save 10%. I want to thank Funko for their support of the show. Now, Toasty, please do tell us what's coming up this week, or this month in WoW. So this month in WoW, as I mentioned last week, we got the Darkmoon Fair that runs from the July 5th to the 11th. We've got the PvP Brawl South Shore vs. Terran Mill. That goes from July 7th to the 13th. Along with the World Quest Bonus Event and Cataclysm Time Walking. On July 12th, we're going to see the mini-holiday Luminous Luminaries. 
And on July 14th, we're going to see Mists of Pandaria Time Walking from July 14th to the 20th. Battleground bonus event runs from July 21st to the 27th, along with the PvP Brawl. I forgot to write down which PvP Brawl, but there's a PvP Brawl on July 21st to 27th. Uh, damn it, Toasty. Uh, we got the Warlords of Draenor Time Walking event running from July 21st to the 27th, and that'll be the end of the five weeks of Time Walking. So take advantage of all the Time Walking up until the 27th. We've also got the Auction House Dance Party on July 22nd, and the PvP Brawl Classic Ashran running from July 28th to August 3rd. I wrote that one down. Ugh. We've got the Battle for Azeroth Dungeon event going from July 28th to August 4th. And we're going to cap off the month with the Kirin Tor Tavern Crawl running on July 31st. It's a packed week. Or packed week. Oh my god, I'm feeling so much today. It is going to be a packed <laughs> month. It definitely sounds month. like it. Uh, I, I really feel like we might see the, the pre-patch uh, on... The fourth or the eleventh pre patch for Shadowlands. Like it just it just feels like that would be like right at the end of the the time walking. You know the time walking's done. We're good to go into into Shadowlands stuff. Like they're they're good to do the the shift back to. Uh, like to the, the the level squish and all that other stuff that's coming with the pre patch. See, I, I'm not I'm not so sure about that. I mean, normally we'd have some of the pre normally we'd have some of the elements of the pre patch in the PTR by now if that was going to be the case. Yeah, and we don't. True. And like the pre patch is going to be a lot of stuff that that needs to be that needs looking over, especially with the level squish and like get the level squish. You got all the leveling stuff that's. Uh, like it's it's mostly figured out at this point, but I, I I still don't know what's going on with the cataclysm with the cataclysm stuff. I haven't gone so far as to look at that yet. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple things that are not in place. I think for a pre patch in August, but you know whatever. Like expect the unexpected. That's what I'm. That's what I'm learning. That's what I've learned in the past little bit. Yeah. Hmm. We we shall see. Uh, maybe we'll see some more information on that in a few days. That's Ooh, right. I forgot to include notes. here July July eighth, right? Yep. Yeah, July eighth. So, uh, if you're listening live, that's in two days. If you're listening on the download, that would have happened a day ago. Yeah. The Shadowlands reveal event. Barring any further delays, of course. Yeah, and of course, not that I've mentioned it on the show, um, it'll get delayed again, because yeah, that's that's how that works. <clears throat> yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, shall we get into our our list of topics? Yeah, let's start with like the heavy one. Okay, so I am going to preface this uh, with a warning, guys. Um, 
you're about to hear stuff from me that you've probably never heard on this show. Uh, 694 episodes, and I think that you've heard me swear on this podcast at most once or twice, other than the comment, like the, the not really important ones. Um, and you're going to hear that today. So if you, if you are thoroughly against swearing, uh, and, uh, and stuff, uh, then I apologize, but I still think you should listen. Um, so to get into this, um, this weekend, uh, we, we being the Dawnforge family and the, the Twitterverse and the WoW community, uh, learned of the passing of a friend. People who have been listening to this show for a while will know Hastier very well. He was a common producer for me when I was out. He was often covering Dawnforge, BlizzCon coverage with me, for me when I was in, in Anaheim directly. Um, and he was the co-host or the main host of Group Quest. Uh, he took over for me when I just, I was having a hard time balancing two podcasts and, and, uh, was feeling drained by that one. So, Haster has been a, a major figure in the history of Dawn Forge Productions. He has been a major person in my life. And he passed away. So that leads to the the typical, very common sadness. Um, and uh, that's something I've been dealing with all weekend. Um, I I popped into our Discord here in the Polk Tavern. And talked to a few people who had some, some memories of Haster. Uh, I've talked to his co-hosts, um, who have decided they'd like to continue the show. And we'll be doing a memorial episode of Group Quest on the 18th. Um, if anybody listening to this has memories of Haster, would like to record a few words to be played on that episode, uh, I would gladly encourage it. Um, email those to me, medros at allthingsazrop.com. Um, and, uh, while that will be a hard episode to do, um, I feel like it will be a good thing for the community to remember somebody who had a huge impact on many people. He didn't just impact me. Um, I was seeing all over Twitter, many, many, many people from Seraphis of, uh, Calm Before the Storm fame and, and his own podcast, as well as Rating with Toasty and, you know, swearing a lot. Um, <laughs> to just people who, who podcasted for a short time, who guested in podcasts. Uh, many, many people who were impacted by Haster. Um, his impact on many of us will be felt for a very long time. And his presence will be missed. Um, before I get into the, the rest of what I have to say, has, uh, Toasty, what, what do you have to say? 
Um, like Hester was, Hester was an amazing guy. Like I remember when I first started listening to ATA, um, he was uh, one of the first people who kind of talked to me during the when I, the odd time I said something in in the IRC chat back in the oh, day. Oh God. Uh, and uh, he was just—he was very—he was a very welcoming person. And as I mentioned on Twitter, he uh, quietly encouraged some of the gentle trolling that I was guilty of back in the day. Uh, <laughs> he was—he uh, 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 was just a fantastic guy, and I—I I regret that. I haven't spoken to him a lot over the past couple of years. The communication has kind of dropped off, and uh, and I never really uh, told him how much I appreciated how like the the environment that he kind of helped foster back in the day, and. Uh, I, I I hope that he was aware of some of the positive impacts he's had on a, on a lot of people throughout the years and uh, I mean just thoughts go out to his his family that can't be rough uh, that can't that can't be rough that can't that can't be easy. To be dealing with right now, and yeah. So now I get to the point where we're gonna have some words. Um, we here in Manitoba have done pretty well with COVID nineteen. We've done all the stuff that we need to do. We've flattened the curve. We've kept our numbers minimal. Um, that can't be said for a lot of places in the U.S. Every day I see videos on Twitter of quote-unquote freedom-loving Americans who refuse to wear a mask. It's against their freedoms, against their rights. I wasn't aware that the rights of Americans included the practical equivalent of playing Russian roulette with those around you. Those you come in contact with. I didn't realize you could essentially load a gun and walk up to people and pull a trigger and see if they get the, the one that has a bullet. I didn't realize that that was something that was allowed in America. Good to know. Glad to know. Because that's apparently what is allowed. My friend died from something that my country has proven can be controlled. That can be maintained at a reasonable level 
and be managed. Unfortunately, there are assholes in America who can't think beyond their own goddamn selves. And it has got to fucking stop. It is past time that I'm an American, I have rights is used in order to ensure that people can die without anybody caring that should care in your government. Hazard lived in Texas, which is one of the currently hardest hit states for this disease. There are cities in Texas that do not have beds left. And doctors there are having to choose who gets to live and who gets to die. I don't know if my friend was one of those who was chosen would not live. Or if doc the doctors he saw tried to fight for him. I don't know the details of his death. I know that five days earlier, he would put on Facebook that he wasn't feeling well, he'd gotten tested, he had a presumptive positive for COVID-19. That's what I know. Five days later, he was dead. And I'm fucking sick of the American need the glorification for your rights. I sat here in Canada and saw shooting after shooting and saw freedom-loving Americans saying, oh, it's our rights, it's our rights, you can't take our guns away. And I had sad laughter. But now I've seen, seen that same bullshit being used to defend your rights not to wear a mask. And your decision not to wear a mask could kill somebody. Yeah, you, you think you're healthy. Great. Do you know you don't have it? Are you tested every day? Do you... Do, do you... Like, you don't know. And that's the problem. You have no clue if you're healthy or not. And for that sake alone, you should be taking every precaution. No question about it. No doubts. Not a single, not a single fucking question should be asked. There is scientific evidence that you wearing a mask lowers the spread. My country is a perfect example of this. There are other countries that are examples of this. There are also other countries that are examples of not doing the right thing. Where you have people dying by the thousands. It baffles me that America fought for its independence against taxes. And that fight is now being used as the reason that you can just not care about anybody else. Don't care about you. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. How would you like to die? Let's put a pill over your mouth and see how you like that.
Because that is the reality of COVID-19. That's the reality of you not wearing a mask. You can be a carrier without having a damn symptom. And I am tired of Americans who are too self-absorbed using your rights and freedoms as a bullshit excuse to not care about anybody but yourselves. I'd like to think that the majority of our listeners wouldn't be like that. I am sure, and I'm sure Toshi, you'd agree with me, that I'll lose some listeners from this. You know what? Fine. Fine. If standing up to people who don't care about anybody but themselves cost me listeners, I've won. Because anybody who listens to this podcast because you don't like what I'm saying right now are the kind of people I don't want as listeners. Fuck your rights. Wear a fucking mask. If you don't care about yourself, care about other people. Care about other human beings. Be a decent person. Wear a goddamn fucking mask. I've lost a friend. Can never get him back. His presence will be forever missed by many, many people who called him a friend. I am angry. And I've been fighting this anger for two days now. I'm not an American. I have no control over what happens in America. This isn't a political discussion. This is not a discussion of liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans. It, I don't fucking care about your politics. It's common sense. It's common courtesy. Ignore the science. That's just ignorant. Wear a mask. And be a, be a basic, decent human being. To my friend Haster... I hope you left this world knowing the impact you had on so many people. I hope you knew how important you were. And I hope that you... I hope you found some peace. That's all I gotta say. Let's move on to uh, to the news, shall we? Alright. <clears throat> So Blizzard has announced the start of their summer sale, and that runs until July 19th. Uh, included with that is a bunch of sales on select pets, mounts, and toys. You can see those were about 50% off. So some of those pets include the Lucky Quillen Club, the Alteric Brewpup, Cinder Kitty, Little Rag, Soul the Aspects, and some of the mounts you can expect to see include stuff like the, Imper the Imperial Quillen, the Enchanted Fey Dragon and Heart of the Aspects um, um, added among many others. 
It was also recently announced that um, there is one specific for Battle of Azeroth in addition to these other sales. One of the one of the things available for this quote Battle for Azeroth summer sale is a twenty dollar uh, level one hundred and ten boost. And if you want to upgrade to the digital deluxe version of BFA, you can do so for ten dollars. That'll include uh, the Seabraid Stallion for the Alliance, the Gilded Ravisor for the Horde, and the Tortle Pet. So if any of those tickle your fancy, you have until July 19th to take advantage of some of these sales. Uh, Medros, why don't you talk to us about the novel that's going to be coming out in eight days. Wow, that's coming up quick. Yeah, it's, it's getting pretty close there. So... The novel Shadows Rising, uh, the audiobook, just got its author named today, and uh, it is pretty awesome. It is Susan Wakoma, the actress that voiced Queen Talanji in Battle for Azeroth, and I think it's really, really awesome that this is the choice they made for the uh, for the author. Um, you're going to hear an interview in just a moment here with the author, uh, and. Uh, Metal was not able to tell us at the time who the uh, voice actor was, or the, the, who the narrator was for the audiobook, uh, but we were told after the interview that we would probably find out before we actually had the interview go live. Um, it's it's really, really awesome to see that this is who they chose. Uh, she thought people would be really happy, and I, I think she's really pleased with the, res- the response to it so far. Um, of course, uh, we will have a, a set voice clip sample of the audiobook later in the show for our Audible pick. Um, please do consider, if you don't have an Audible subscription yet, going over and signing up using our subscription. Um, but uh, it's it's really awesome. So um, I, I've read some of the book. It's, it's a really good book. I think you guys are all going to really enjoy it when it comes out in a few days. And it's it's just a spectacular read. So uh, I guess uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's get on with the interview. I guess because it's a long one, guys. It's gonna be a long interview, but it's a great one. And folks, we are joined by Madeline Rue, who is the author of the upcoming Shadows Rising book for the World of Warcraft prequel novels for Shadowlands, and we are very excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show, Madeline. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we're very happy to have you. Um, so let's get into the questions here. Uh, can you tell us about your personal history in the world of Azeroth? How have you played many of the games over the years, or was Val your first entry into the universe? Sure, yeah. Um, so my first experience with the World of Warcraft was way back in the day with the uh, the RTS games. <laughs> and uh, I was really young. I don't even really think I knew what was happening, necessarily. Uh, they were sort of some of my very first like 3D video games that I ever played. Um, and I have two older brothers who were into gaming. So whenever they would like, you know, go to school or go hang out at a friend's house, I would sneak onto their computer and, and play the just regular Warcraft. And then obviously up through um, all those in the series. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I loved, I I'd just never seen anything like it. I don't know. There was something about the colors and the way it looked and the, the sound, like the music was so iconic and, so yeah, it, that was my first introduction, and then I didn't, um, I didn't play vanilla right at launch. I was, I don't even actually know. I think I was maybe, it was definitely before Burning Crusade came out. 
Um, but I don't think it was, I think like Blackwing Layer and stuff were out. Um, yeah. So I'm not, I don't know the exact timeline. Also, it was quite a long time ago. But uh, yeah, so I, I came to that and uh, I raided really hardcore, actually. I, the I was uh, dating someone at the time that got me into the game and um, he was raiding. And so the whole guild actually sort of like came together <laughs> and helped me level. Um, it was really sweet, and and then um, I remember, I, I remember getting into molten core at like, I wasn't even max level, and I, I think it was I was so scared, and I was like, oh my god, this is so intimidating, and I should be max level, and my gear is so bad, but you know they helped me, they helped me get through and, and geared me up. So yeah, so I, I raided initially with um, a night elf rogue, and then um, along the way, I think we needed healers or so, or something. I don't remember. Maybe I just got sick of it and got sick of. DPS, but uh, I switched to uh, Resto Druid, and then now my my main is uh, Balanced Druid. So, yeah, excellent choice. <laughs> I must. Thank you. And I'm sort of like I and I have a Druid of like every class because I love all the different transformations, right? So like as soon as a new Druid type comes out, I have to have you know I have my Zandalari Druid, of course, because the Dinos are so cool. And, <laughs> they are. Yeah, and I love oh, I love the Kaltiran ones too. I love the like witchy wicker man vibe. I mean, that's so so cool. And um, oh, are we allowed to swear? By the way, <laughs> I can be edited out. It's fine. Okay, I will. No, I'll try not to. I just I like to know because sometimes I have a kind of a, a, a bad mouth. But um, yeah, so I, I didn't play. Like I kind of fell out. You know, I went in and out. I didn't play all a hundred percent of of all the time between launch and this moment. But um. Yeah, I would sort of come back every expansion, check it out. I, I didn't. I raid occasionally now, but but not so often. So I I kind of play it like a like a single player game almost now. But so what keeps you playing then? You know, as you you know come back and forth from the game, like what keeps bringing you back? Um, I was really amazed when I would take a break and came back. I think it was when I came back for uh. I want to say, I think it was Warlords of Draenor. I was just shocked at like the storytelling, the way that they were starting to tell the stories with more sort of cutscenes and more sort of like acknowledging your character and, and bringing them into the the whole storyline. I don't know. There's something about it that really I was like, oh, I think they're kind of. Um, I'm a big Swotor player. I love um, the Old Republic, and I, I'm still subscribed to that too because I'm a junkie. But um, <laughs> I, I I was like I could like feel the influence right of these other MMOs that are that were very very story based and I could see them sort of like taking that on and incorporating like a stronger narrative a stronger sense of story and so after that I was like wow I really want to see where this is going because I I do love this world but I really want to see like Blizzard's interpretation of a more story focused MMO so um, and beyond that I would say just like. The like I'm I'm so into the music. I mean, the, it's a dream to have this soundtrack because when I'm writing for the book, you know, I can just put on whatever zone and have the ambiance. And to me, that's such a it's like so powerful and, and emotional. And um, I still get sort of like wibbly whenever I go to Ashenvale. I don't know. There's something about the music there that's so nostalgic. That's like where I leveled for the first time, you know. And um, it's just to me, it's just still so magical to to be there. So. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a combination of factors, and honestly, like I, I just when you have that much experience with a game, I think it it just gets tied to your soul a little bit, and it, it kind of feels like a like a comfortable place to be. So, 
you know, if I'm having a hard day or something, it's just nice to kind of like disappear into another world and and one that I have so much uh, so much experience with. Yeah, I definitely. As you say, I, I definitely felt like Legion uh, took a lot of the class-based stories, specific stories uh, that Swotor had at launch. Um, I just felt like for myself when I played Swotor, like I, I preferred the multiple places you could level at a certain time of WoW mm -hmm. versus what they had in Swotor at launch, and that kind of I, I kind of stopped playing after a while. Oh no, I to I totally understand. I I just I like I again I just basically play Swotor like a single player game, and I, I love yeah. the storytelling in that one. So I I usually go back every once in a while and level yet another agent. <laughs> so. Uh, mine, was, mine was a smuggler. That's what I played. It's fun though. It's a fun game. Yeah, that's a good one. I like what I like what you say about how after you've been playing the game for so many years, you know, it's definitely when we invest so much of ourselves into it and when we hear these pieces of music, it definitely brings up, you know, those memories and, and feelings and emotions we've tied into this game over the years. I know for me, it's Grizzly Hills melts me every oh, single time. Oh my goodness. That every single that. time. Top five. Top five for sure. And I, <laughs> I love that zone in general, but like, but yeah, the music is just so, so insane. And yeah, I mean, it's funny because like, I, I just feel so jealous now when I'm working on my own books that I'm like, well, where's my specific regional music for this part of the book? <laughs> this isn't fair. I don't have the correct ambiance for this. Like, it's uh, it's, but you get pretty spoiled when you're when you're working on these books, <laughs> right? What would you say you enjoy doing the most in game? Oh my goodness, um, I really there's like nothing for me personally that beats um like a fresh expansion coming out because i don't i never play the the betas i don't or the alphas or anything like that I, I like to go in pretty blind um and there's just like this just sense of like oh my gosh i get to experience all these new zones and all this new music and all these new characters and like just that that sense of like something's waiting for you and you get to go explore it like that to me is like it's just the best <laughs> it's like I, I don't know I'll, I'll never get tired of that feeling uh like I, I can still remember so vividly like you know the day legion came out the day battle for azeroth came out like just that like feeling like a little kid again you know so you mentioned you play a balanced druid what other alts have you enjoyed playing jelastic expansions oh man what a <laughs> i have so many i'm such an altaholic it's like terrible um I, I've actually really fallen in love with pre with um, shadow priests recently, yes. and and actually disco discipline priests as well. I've, I've, I love their like sparkly little ability that they have. Um, but yeah, I love their aesthetic too. I don't know. There's there's something about them that I really love. I, I I'm in classic when I was um, kind of leading a guild for the the relaunch. Um, I was a mage main, which is pretty unusual for me. I, I never really played them much back in the day. So I was like, what's what can I do that's so opposite <laughs> from like a druid? I guess they're still spellcasters. Maybe a warrior would have been more opposite. But um, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed playing her and, uh, you know, the utility of getting to just teleport around. That was that was really great. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have one of everything and it, now it's hard to pick. But um, yeah, I would say after Druid Priest is probably probably my next favorite. I'm sure Ali loves that. 
I really do, because I main Holy Shadow, so uh, that's oh, pretty that's, great. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm terrible at it, but I uh, and I feel like that's like I just keep going back to Druids. Cause like I think I'm actually okay at this, so I'm gonna stay in this lane because I feel pretty confident. But uh, no, yeah, aesthetically and and gameplay wise, I I do love Priest. I like you even more now. So <laughs> looking I'm more now alienated so many people. They're like, oh my god, why why wouldn't you be a warlock? Well at least you like a lot of different classes, so it's it's okay. Oh yeah, no, there's none that I like hate. Or <laughs> exactly. I mean I'm really honestly I have a max level of literally every class, so it's not it's not that. That's awesome. it's, yeah. <laughs> so looking more at the story of Warcraft in general, what intrigues you the most um so i kind of mentioned this on uh the last podcast i was on but i think for me when i get to get my hands on this stuff or when i'm thinking about it or, or whatever really um i'm really interested in how you can make these sort of larger than life characters feel um human for a lack of a better word and um like well-rounded you know what i mean not just the sense of like I think the grandiosity of them is cool, and I think that's what kind of attracts people initially. But I'm really not interested in like flawless characters. <laughs> I I like people who you know, or characters that make mistakes because we all do. And I like characters who have to grow and change and, and sort of evolve over time. So for me, I'm really interested in kind of peeling back the veneer of cool that all these characters have. And, and getting to like what really makes them tick and what they're really passionate about and you know what my dog is gonna probably start squeaking his toy any second um <laughs> so that that's sort of like where I live right I'm I love getting underneath this sort of armor that they all have of you know oh it's so and so they're so badass and they're so they're such a big deal but like who are they when they go home at the end of the day and take off their their armor right like who who are they when it's just like them and a sandwich like that's that to me is is really what I'm interested in um the most in terms of experiencing the characters but also in terms of, of writing them okay so do you share with the listeners a few of your most favorite memories from your time in Ezra oh my gosh um that's so hard <laughs> That's like so hard to pick. I will say, um, I know this maybe, I don't know if this counts. I mean, it's classic, but the classic launch was some of the most fun I've had. Like that, that just first few days of kind of getting the band back together and um, all these friends of mine who quit WoW years ago came back and we had a guild and it was just so cool to have like adults that you know and we all had a great time and like we all were just totally disgusting, right? We all like took the day off and ordered a giant pizza and like as much, you know, soda as we could stomach and just like f played for 12 hours straight. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, it was like getting to be in university again and having like no responsibility and, and, you know, a sense of hope again or something. But it was, I don't know, there was something so iconic about that and just the sense of like community and nostalgia. Um, so I would say like, recently that was really fun um i i got to do the um i got to run the nazoth raid with some blizz devs that was really cool <laughs> I, that, they were really sweet and really um 
really understanding of how bad I am at the game and how undergeared I was, but uh, we didn't end up killing Nazoth. They were still kind of like working working on it. Um, and this was all hard. Yeah, and this was months ago too. I, I should say this, this was a while ago. Um, now they're like now they don't even run it anymore because they've, they've done it so many times. But um, <laughs> but they were kind enough to like take me along, and that was really really magical and fun. I didn't even really like say anything. I just sort of I just sort of like snuck in there, and and they let me let me come for the ride. So I would say that was pretty pretty cool. So I'm sorry. I have another hard question for you. That's okay. <laughs> Who is your favorite lore character? Uh, I'm a I'm a big Tyranda fan. I really do love her. Um, I I don't even know how to explain it. There's just something about her look and her personality, and just sort of the the trajectory of her story. I love recently getting to see her go through these these big transitions and sort of become um in many ways like i and i think this goes back to what i was saying before where you're sort of peeling back the layers of, of who somebody is and i don't know right. i think all of us have that side like lurking in us somewhere if someone did something bad enough to us i think we could all kind of like understand where she's coming from right now so um and just being you know a night elf like original character original leveling experience um I've always had a real soft spot for her and Melfirian just as like a duo. And um, yeah, so I think, I think I would have to pick her. I mean, again, it is really hard. I could, you know, I could make a case yeah. for about 16 other characters. And now that, <laughs> now that I've read, like written this book um, and Traveler, I would like to like also name every single character I, I got to do a POV from um, because they're all so special to me now. But uh but yeah, that's kind of the fun, right, of, of doing a book like this is you, you get handed this cast of characters and you're like, oh, this guy, like, I don't want to write that guy. But then once you do and you get into their head and you you get their backstory and you're like, oh, like, actually, they're really cool and tragic and, and now I love them. So, <laughs> Okay, so while it has many aspects from raiding to PvP, roleplay to dungeons and raids, what types of content in-game do you find the most engaging for you personally? Um, I think just like regular leveling. I, I again like come, kind of getting to a new zone or going back to one that I I sort of skipped over or did really quickly. Um, now I like to you know I try to like do. Thank you, dogs. Um, now I now I like to uh, go to zones that I sort of d just like didn't really give a chance and and level there. So and I try to like now too. I pay really close attention to sort of the stories and. Um, you know, read all the text really carefully. So yeah, I think just regular, like getting to a zone, picking up all the quests and, and going at it. That's, that's really my favorite part. I mean, I love, I, like, don't get me wrong, getting into a raid for the first time is very epic and cool and I love it. But um, right. then your dreams are like crushed minutes later when you wipe <laughs> a million yes. times. So it's a very brief uh, window of, of wonder and awe before you hate everything. Um, so yeah, I would say just sort of the I, I like just go collect ten boar butts. Like I, I don't know, like I'm into it. That's that's kind of where I where I live. So. so switching gears a little more and starting to focus a little more on you as an author. You're a New York Times bestseller. You've been writing for years. You have a bachelor's in creative writing and acting, which is awesome. What drove you to be a writer in the first place? 
it's honest to God, pretty much the only thing I'm somewhat good at. So it was like that, or I think I was kind of considering if if books didn't work out, I probably would have gone into law or something. But um, yeah, I actually went to university initially for archaeology and Egyptology, and then oh, wow. I found out. Yeah, and then I found out uh, I'm terrible at those things. So that was a mistake, and kind of switched gears sometime in my sophomore year I realized uh oh I better like get my act together so I switched majors to uh I, initially I was just going to do creative writing um but then my one of my advisors was like listen you have so many credits in the theater department and you're in all these shows and you get credit every time you're in a show so you should just finish this out I mean you're gonna have to take like four more classes and you you'll have another <laughs> another degree so um, yeah, so that was kind of the trajectory. And I always, as a, you know, as a teenager, um, I was really active on like role play forums and, um, you know, live journal and fan fiction, AO3, fanfiction.net, the whole, the whole thing. So, um, I kind of did it just for fun and as a hobby and as a way to unwind. And then I sort of realized like, actually all this accidental practice, like I've accidentally done my 10,000 hours, like maybe I can actually sort of learn about this from a more technical craft perspective um and so yeah i mean i i think a lot of it was self-taught as what not just because of fan fiction or whatever i mean that's that's helpful to an extent but right um my degree you know it was a lot more like short stories and like writing very serious literature and uh no genre you know no sci-fi no fantasy nothing like that so uh i kind of had to reteach myself once I graduated to actually write genre fiction. Um, so yeah, it was sort of a combination of I was a hobby I was passionate about and then I realized I couldn't do this other thing I came to school for. And so I just sort of was like, all right, let's give this a shot. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully it works out. I'm also really terrible at keeping like a nine to five schedule. So I was really hoping I could find a career that did not force me into that because I think it would <laughs> probably kill me i don't i really don't think i could do it so uh it was uh, serendipitous that that this all worked out now you mentioned you've you've written many books uh you've written for wow before in the traveler book that you wrote now what do you enjoy most about being a writer other than the not having a nine-to-five job of course <laughs> i mean that's a pretty big one no um i i don't know it's just sort of it's always a challenge in a different way every book like you come to a book and you think oh I got this I know what I'm doing but then every single book pushes you in a different way and it forces you to grow as a writer and and grow as a person too I mean you know you have to do so much research and um, just the just the thought experiments of living in someone else's head I think it makes you a better person I think it makes you more um, like empathetic and more attuned to to other people so yeah, I think it's sort of that sense of, okay, what challenge awaits me with this next book? And I don't, sometimes you know up front if it's sort of a, you know, there's going to be a lot of research or it's in a, you know, set somewhere that you've never been or whatever. But I think there are more hidden challenges that always come up in within the process of writing it. And and while it can be frustrating, I also think by the end, it's nice to feel like you've, you've grown and, and sort of evolved as an artist. So getting a little deep here. What would you say sets you apart from other writers? You know, what about your writing style are you proud of? What can listeners expect from you? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, it's interesting because I 
I'm really bad as a brand. I, I don't want to stay in a lane. I just don't find that interesting <laughs> from an artistic perspective. Um, I don't want to stay in one genre. I don't want to stay... Like, I just can't. I, I like too many things. I like too many kinds of books. And so I, I want to try all, all different kinds of books. And so I think what ends up happening is that I bring a little bit of everything to my books. Uh, there's always going to be a little bit of darkness, a little bit of a horror feeling. There's always going to be a little bit of romance. There's always going to be some adventure, some mystery. Um, and I think once you've read maybe one or two books of mine, you start to sort of get the vibe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's such a difficult question. I think my voice obviously is distinct. It sets me apart. I think um, my sense of humor is really specific. So, you know, if you follow me on Twitter and you think my stupid tweets are funny, then you'll probably, <laughs> you'll probably like my sense of humor. You'll probably enjoy them because <laughs> uh, I got to I got to get my hands on some of the funnier characters. And, and honestly, that was probably some of the best time I've had writing in a long time. But um, yeah, so I think there's that that blend, right, of like adventure, mystery, darkness, romance, humor that I want to bring to every book. Um, and some, obviously, one of those aspects will be more present, right? Like the adventure, obviously, is the, the biggest aspect of the WoW book. My sci-fi book, it's much more um, horror-focused. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, and now I'm also moving into writing romance soon. So there's, you know, like those books will still have a little bit of all my ingredients, but the romance will be the focus. So, um, yeah, I like to, I think growing up on a, on a diet of like the mummy and the phantom and <laughs> Indiana Jones, like, I think the, I think that stuff really, uh, affected me more than I ever realized until I sort of began reflecting on my work and, and what start, uh, tends to come out in it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that answers the question. <laughs> Love it. So what can you tell us about how you came to be the writer for Shadows Rising? And like, did the Blizzard approach you? Did you approach them? And what has the experience been like for that? Sure. Um, well, it, I sort of weirdly approached them about Traveler. I mean, it was, it was just a kismet. I was um, at a Renaissance Festival in Los Angeles with uh, a friend who used to work at Blizzard, uh, or specifically at Warcraft. I think she's, she's still at Blizzard, but she's not on Warcraft anymore. But anyway, um, she was just sort of saying like, oh man, we really, you know, we're trying to find someone for this traveler book. And um, it's just so difficult because like we need some, you know, like it's, it's like middle grade and it's all these things and you're picking up a third book. So there's that challenge. And I was like, well, I could do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Why not? Like, I, I love Warcraft. I've never, I've written for teenagers. I've never written for kids, but like, I'm sure I could figure it out. Um, and so I sort of th threw that. I mean, it wasn't automatic, obviously, right? I had to like, my hat was then in the ring, but then I sort of had to audition for it. So I had to write a sample chapter to sort of prove uh, that I could handle it and that I got it. Um, so yeah, so I, you know, I had to read the first two books very closely and, and sort of internalize them as much as possible and then write that audition. Um, and then I like, I don't know who else was up for it. Obviously you're never like, you're never party to those discussions, but uh, they picked me, which was very exciting. Um, and yeah, so I did that book with them and I think the experience was just really positive. I think we blended well as a team. 
Um, I think they liked, you know, how collaborative I was being with them and, and, you know, kind of taking direction, but also offering up some of my own ideas. So um, I don't know what the conversation was after that, but then they came back to me um, and were like, hey, this was cool. <laughs> we really, we really liked your traveler book. We really liked working with you. How, how would you feel about uh, taking on this expansion book? And uh, as I've stated elsewhere, it could have been about literally anything, and I probably would have said yes. So uh, it would have, it would have either had to be like ridiculously offensive, or uh, that's it. They would have to have been really offensive for me to not take it. But uh, yeah, no. So then you know, it was just the usual sort of contract negotiation making sure we were all happy and, and figuring out sort of the time frame um and then from there you move into like you know they have an outline of specifically what has to happen and then i take that and sort of fine tune it even more and make it even more specific and then you know you just go back and forth until everyone is on the same page and, and has the same vision um and then you're handed you know dossiers and information and some helpful tools and then you're sort of on your way <laughs> so one thing i really appreciate is the passion you put into your writing from what i've read from shadows rising plus you know the awesome short story a moment in verse you do a fabulous job painting a picture yet you're not just writing air you know it's not too drawn out and i really appreciate that so can you walk us through your writing process a bit and I know we talked about this, you know, before recording, but can you share with the can you share with the listeners what your research is while you're writing the book? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's um, and thank you. That's that's very sweet. I'm, I'm glad you like <laughs> like what you've seen so far. Uh, um, that's so good. Thank you. No, I mean it's hard because you know you're up against a word count always, and so to me, I'm always hyper focused on okay, what's the like core conflict in this chapter right this is that's has to be the thing that sings the loudest we need to understand who needs what and how they intend to get it and then we need to resolve whether or not that happens so that's always sort of the first building block of, it, of a short story obviously or a, a chapter I mean I almost approach every chapter like a little contained short story in a way but um yeah so then you're also up against okay we need to set the scene, obviously, and we have this huge, beautiful world. So I spend a lot of time in game in the zones to make sure that I'm really um, not just rendering it realistically for people, but I also I try to think in a also in a more like senses forward way, like, OK, what does it actually smell like? <laughs> you know, because there's certain senses that you never get to really experience in the game. So for me, it's like, how can I sort of paint this so that it's even more vivid so that if you do go to this region after reading the book or after reading one of the short stories you have a new understanding of it you have like a deeper sort of understanding of it um and and also i just like i love writing about food <laughs> and i love writing about uh like smells in particular so there's a lot of that always but uh yeah and so you know i i use the wikipedia's a ton because once you figure out the core conflict of a chapter then you're also writing from a very specific person, right? Like you might be in Anduin's head today or you might be in, uh, you know, Talanji's head the next day. So I do a lot of um, kind of submerging myself in their backstory and in who they are and how other people have written them. And then kind of taking all of that 
and focusing on, okay, but what happened just previous, either in the game itself or in the book itself, and making sure that their emotional state feels connected, right? It feels natural that this is where their concerns are. And, you know, I'm already getting a lot of really, really specific questions. Like, are you going to talk about this? Are you going to talk about that? And it's like, well, if it comes up, <laughs> if it's if it's relevant to the conversation and to the events, then yeah, it'll probably come up. But uh, it's hard not to just info dump these backstories into your writing, right? Your challenge is to internalize that and make the character feel like they've lived all of that, but then not just bring up their history constantly <laughs> because that's boring. I mean, I think I think there's a real I think I think people would be shocked how boring a book would be if I info dumped everything they wanted to have yeah, in it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> because it just wouldn't make sense. You just like here's a perfect example and I'm probably going to get crucified for this, but I'm going to use myself. So no specific character will be named here other than myself. I played the flute for 8 years of my life. There was a point in my life where the flute, I was all about it. It was very much a part of my life. I bet almost nobody knows that, right? But if I was a Warcraft character and I showed up in a book, someone inevitably, inevitably would be like, I'm sorry, why didn't you bring up the fact that she played the flute for eight years? But like, it wouldn't be relevant to anything else, right? Like, yeah. unless you were at a musical concert in the book or music somehow came up or, you know what I mean? So that's like the example I use to explain that just because something happened to a character, uh, especially like a long, 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 long time ago, it doesn't mean it's automatically relevant in a way that needs to be mentioned. Like it's, right. cons it, I've considered it. I know that it happened. And then I tried to take what that means for the character and just have that all exist at once because just stating facts about yourself is not writing. <laughs> it's not, it's not storytelling. No, it's not but purposeful. Right, it's not intent. It has no intent. It has no like. There's unless it is absolutely relevant to what what is happening in that chapter. It just has no place there. Um, and even if I did it to like show off that I know those things, it would get cut because it's not moving the right, story yeah. forward and it's not informing you anything new about this person. Because that's always your job. Is like everything someone says or does has to teach you something about who they are as a person. And just listing. Uh, you know, facts about things that have happened to them does not do that. We already know that. So my job is to sort of hold all those things at once as truths and then see where that, what that means for the character next. Um, so yeah, so it's a lot. It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to do on the page. Um, and again, you're always up against sort of the sense of like time restriction because it's not a super long book and you have so much to get done. So you're really bad. You're really juggling a lot. You're really balancing. Okay, I have to obviously set the scene. I have to make sure the action is clear. I have to make sure the conflict is clear. I have to make sure this character feels correct and lived in and like we're learning something new about them. So hopefully in every chapter, those things get accomplished. Um, and by the time you've accomplished all those things, your ch your chapter is done, usually. So, uh, But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, it's sort of research of the person that I'm dealing with that day first. And then making sure, I, you know, I feel comfortable making sure I have a good understanding of where it's taking place. Um, you know, and it's hard because some of these places, like, uh, there's a fair bit of action that takes place in Zandalar and... 
I would go to the location and be like, all right, but there's no like, where's the bathroom? Like, where's the, you know, like, where's the, where's the bedrooms? Where does everyone sleep? Like, right. What? So then you're, then you're sort of handed this impossible task of reimagining a place we already all know and adding things to it because you're like, okay, but she would need a bedroom. Like she does need somewhere to sleep. So I'm, I'm just putting it in. I'm sorry. It has to be there. So uh, I'm sure people will be mad that now certain like areas don't match up perfectly. But uh, yeah, you kind of have to squint sometimes and, and be like, okay, they're not going to put every bathroom and every bedroom and every closet into the world. Uh, but occasionally you need those things in a book. For there they sleep. Set. My goodness. They're, they're, that's a massive pyramid. There's lots of places for rooms and, and bedrooms and stuff. Well, that's what I'm yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you would not find them in the game, obviously, right? They're, they're not yeah. there. But again, I'm like, well, there's, you know, there's a door here that leads to nowhere, so we'll just, we'll pick that. But, you know, that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, totally understand that. So in Shadow Rising, what was the hardest character for you to write for, and which was the easiest to write for? Oh, this is a tough one. I because I can't. <laughs> part of it I can't really answer because one of the favorite characters I got to write hasn't been. I don't think they've been revealed yet. I don't think. Don't uh, want you get in trouble. That's important. <laughs> I know. I after the like they've only released the three chapters. I'm trying to remember if they ever get mentioned, but I. I don't think they do. So I'll I'll, I'll could, answer could what I said. Give us a hint that would tell us who it was when we read the book. Uh, I think it'll be obvious. Okay. <laughs> I think I think those chapters are so much fun, um, and so just <laughs> just ridiculous. I don't know, not ridiculous, but like they're just so. I think you can feel me sort of unleashed in a way that I'm I'm not in other senses. But um, I'll pick. How about I'll pick my runner up and then. I'm sure I'll get asked once once the book is out, and I'll, I'll talk about it then. But um, I would say the hardest would be <sighs> this is kind of a double answer. So I would say like probably Turalyon was the hardest for me. I didn't know his character super well. I had to do a lot of research on him. That was a yeah, that, that was a deep sense. dive because he's been around forever, but he's off screen <laughs> for most of it. So. <laughs> Hey, Tyrion just rolls up and now he's a big deal again. So, yeah, so uh, he was really tough. And also, um, I just in general, I find like kind of heroic types more challenging because I, I'm always into the dirt, right? I'm like, okay, but what, what's really going on? Like, everyone's got a secret. Everyone's, everyone has bad aspects. Everyone has, everyone's made mistakes. And I mean, it's obvious, like, his relationship with Valyria is very, like, troubled and uh, there's that but like uh just sort of uh noble noble stoic male types i find quite challenging because i always want to sort of like dig down to what's really there um but they tend to hold that you know aloof they tend to hold that away from people so yeah so he was a challenge um i ended up enjoying it after after i sort of got a handle on him but uh the initial writing of him was was challenging for sure and again because it's like what I was just saying, where there's so much backstory for him, but you can't list it, right? You can't just be uh, like, here's a primer on everything you may not know about this person. Because that's not <laughs> good or interesting writing. So you have to like shorthand it and get people in his emotional space and in his like past without just doing a giant info dump. So 
that's definitely a challenge. Um, but I think I think you know I, eventually I came to to enjoy writing him. It just in the initial sort of shock of, <laughs> of how much there was going on there that was tough. I'll also say like they're all challenging in the sense that they're all really iconic, and so yeah. you just don't want to mess it up. <laughs> you know, you just don't. You just want to make it feel right. You just want to make them sound right, and so there's always pressure there's always pressure with that and uh yeah and then i would say i would say also like someone like nathanos is really challenging because he's just most of what you see right in the game most people like don't like it you know most people hate him or don't yeah. like him or you know whatever so it's hard to write a character like that because everyone's experience most people's experience with them i'm not gonna say everyone most people's experience with him is so negative um and again it's my job not to pass judgment and be like oh look at this guy i mean i personally really like him but um <laughs> <laughs> but but you know like okay how do i still make this person feel human like i i think there's this weird perception that I'm going to write these characters like from a nasty point of view. Like I don't like them. So I'm going to make them jerks. Like that's not, I would, first of all, I'd never write a character that way, but also n like, no, because I'm in their head. And so their actions have to make sense to themselves. And nobody just kind of sits around like roasting babies over a spit. Like that's not, <laughs> that's just not what happens. Right. So you have to make his downtime or his actions or whatever, his thoughts like feel logical. And that means understanding his motivation and understanding his past and building from that, not just being like, well, this guy's a villain. And like, you know, that's not, that's not interesting. No one's the villain of their own story. Like they, everyone has motivations and, and traumas and things that have gotten them to where they are. So yeah, so I, I want to dispel like the sense that I'm coming into bad mouth like Sylvanas loyalists or something. Like this is not a hit piece on Sylvanas or her loyalists. It's like every character I take on, I am in their corner for that chapter. Like I am I am pro that character when I am writing them because you have to be. You can't just it would just be cartoonish, you know, to approach it any other way. So uh, but yeah, I would say he's tough because again, you're like, okay, how do I? All these things have to feel justified in his head. All these things have to feel whatever, and they're actions that I may disagree with. So you know, I have to take my personal feelings out of it and really just dig down into how he feels. Um, and then I would say my favorite. Uh... God, it's so hard because I think all my favorites, like you guys, don't know they're in the book yet. Um... <laughs> Which man, there's uh, everybody's in for a ride. But uh, God, let's see, let's see. Um, I really, uh, I said this on a different podcast, but I really was shocked at how much I liked writing Anduin. I really thought he would not be that compelling to write, but uh, I had a lot of fun with him. And by the end, I actually was really, I really got stoked <laughs> every time he got to, he got to be there. Uh, I think I really have a unique take on him that I hope people will appreciate and um, I'm sure I'll be called to defend it eventually but uh, right now I'm just enjoying that nobody knows <laughs> nobody knows what I've done with him so uh, I'm just in this glow of like everyone's excited and nobody's mad that's good 
I will say, like, from what I have read, you do come across as being in that character's corner. And I'm just... Ah, I'm so excited for the rest. Well, because, so, moving because on. I always, I always write like, oh, not always. I do. I've done first person, which is even more immediate in terms of like being in that character's head, yeah. right? But um, I tend to write from a third person close, so you only know what that character knows. It's not omniscient, so you you don't have any information that they don't have when you're in that chapter. That's how I prefer to write. Um, I think it, I think it forces you to like, if, like, like Game of Thrones. That's how that those books are written, where. And when you're in that chapter, you are with that character and you don't have any information that they don't have. Um, And I think it's great because it forces you to always consider what's going on from that character's perspective and really get a sense of their vibe. And yeah, so I think I think it was the perfect choice for this kind of book because you just get such a huge variety of experiences and you just get such a huge variety of personalities. Um, Like even the writing changes a little bit in terms of style chapter to chapter just because like you know, the way Thrall thinks and feels is not going to feel the same as the way like Talanji does. So I try to alter the writing a little bit to, to match that person's personality. I'm so excited. <laughs> the more you talk, the more I'm like getting hyped for it. Anyways, so often an author of a WoW book gets to introduce us to new characters and flesh out less developed characters. Now, obviously, if you can't, that's totally fine. But if you could suggest one or two characters you think the reader will enjoy paying attention to, who would it be and why? Again, if you can say. I'm so glad that they released that that third uh, chapter now because now the the villain is on the scene. She's here and I can talk about her and she is my invention. Uh, oh. I love her dearly. Her name is Apari and mm-hmm. she's um, a Zandalari uh, spellcaster and her I can't obviously I can't get into like her backstory and stuff like that but uh I really love some of her chapters I'm really I'm really proud I think of of this character I think she fits it I think she nests into the world really nicely I think uh I think she's well-rounded I think she's sympathetic even if she does very terrible things and yeah I just I got to I don't know, getting to just create like a villain that hopefully can stand up to some of these other like big shots <laughs> was pretty fun. And they gave me a lot of, you know, I had a lot of freedom in, in who she was and, and how she's portrayed. So she feels like something that's very mine. And uh, I'm really excited about, about people getting to experience her. And I also just like, I obviously I love getting to write like a well-rounded female villain who is a yeah. just like, cartoon and you know she has real thoughts and feelings and and i think uh i think people will some people i think will actually maybe be more on her side in some ways um i'm trying to think of who gets screen time that you wouldn't really otherwise that's tough because again there's (laughs) there's a few i i would like to say but can't um let's see i think I, i mean i think sarah moon warden hasn't really gotten you know, there's some chapters from her perspective specifically, and I think that's a cool that's a cool thing to see because she's kind of so newly uh, undead and right, yeah. grappling with like a lot. <laughs> she's going through it, and uh, you know, and I think she portrays herself in the games as very just like real aggro and real like uh, 
like confidently villainous almost in some ways um, and getting to sort of dig below the surface and peel back some layers on her was fun and and a challenge too because again she's really she's really handling a lot and uh yeah so i think i would say her because you just don't again you don't really get to like peek behind the curtain with her at all in the game so uh you get a chance to sort of see see internally what she's thinking and feeling and and that was a cool that was a cool thing to do so you had an opportunity to introduce readers and players to a new period in Azeroth, a horde council of leaders, a peace between the factions while they recover from the clashes of the past. How did it feel as a player of World of Warcraft and the hero of Azeroth yourself to introduce, introduce this new time to the players and to the readers? Oh boy, a lot of pressure. Uh, it's a lot of pressure, and I would also say it's tough because you're, you know, you're trying to give everyone on the council a little bit of shine and a little bit of time um but that's <laughs> really tough because again there's only a, a certain amount of time in the book and uh like a volpera politics just don't feature prominently in this book you know like it's just not it's just not what the book's about and i hope one day they do i, I would love to write a volpera book actually that would be dope but uh yeah so you're sort of like you have to prepare yourself for the backlash because not every faction gets to shine in this book. You know, it's, it's limited scope. It's not every single faction member all the time. You know, it's, it's a limited cast, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think I like it. I, I enjoy it so much in the game world, but I have to say it is really cumbersome to write because there's just so many of them. There's so many, you know, leaders now all in one room, all discussing the same thing. And it's a lot to choreograph. It's a lot to, it's a lot to consider. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's ex obviously it's exciting, but it's also intimidating in a lot of ways because, uh, it's a new landscape. It's a new, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world for the Horde. And, I would say a, a lot of Thrall's presence in this book is about specifically that, is about specifically the council and, and grappling with this new political landscape and him sort of, you know, so constantly drawn to the memories of when he was war chief and how it was just like, nope, you just make the decision and that's that. And if so-and-so doesn't like it, then they can shuffle on out of here. You know, like it's, so there's a, there's a lot from him sort of where you get which is cool I, I, it's it's nice to have his perspective it's nice to have his experience of like well this is the, this is how we used to do it and in some ways it's easier that way because there's no you don't have to reach a compromise you don't have to get every single person on board you know and um there's so many just just seeing the horde sort of realize like oh maybe this is just as hard as having a war chief because the agenda of the Magar orcs is not going to be the agenda of the Zandalari, right? And what Talanji wants is not going to be what anyone else wants necessarily. So how do you fit all these pieces together? And how do you, how do you create a sense of like cohesion and vision and peace? Um, and it's cool because the horde are sort of on the, the you know, they're sort of on the, the cusp of it. They just sort of started this experiment. Whereas the Alliance has been trying to do this, kind of you know more or less and so you also get to see that side of it of like the alliance sort of in a in a moment of fracture in a lot of ways obviously because the night elves are not super chill with how things are going um 
so yeah, it's it's sort of this mirror, right, where the the horde is like beginning this experiment and and trying to solidify it and trying to make it work, and the alliance is kind of like buckling under that same, <laughs> those same considerations. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool. It's like again thematically, it's it's really nice because they sort of mirror each other, but um, it's definitely difficult. It's it's a lot of voices to to juggle in one in one scene. Yeah, I, I have a hard time sometimes separating Chris Betson from Thrall, and I could just uh, reading Thrall's uh, thinking and his his reactions to stuff in the the little bit I've read is like, yeah, I can totally see him just being like, why in the god am I here? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of his voice. Yes, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of. Uh, I'm. A, I mean, I think it revolve revolve now see it on Twitter that I'm a shameless thrall fangirl, but um, there's a lot of I, I mean, I love getting to write that guy. He's just like, he's he's fun. I mean, he, he's fun, but he's, again, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of intimidation factor for me, but um, yeah, it's like it's such a perfect he's such a perfect vehicle to experience that story because, again, he's just like yeah, man, back in the day, could have just been like, shut up, we're doing we're doing it this way. I don't care what you want, Talanji, get out of here, you know, like, you're not in charge. But to have his sort of, like, his instinct is, like, telling him that. But then also, he's like, no, the whole reason I'm here is to, because we're not doing it that way anymore. And I wouldn't have come back if, if it was going to be that way again. So... Um, and obviously he misses his family. There's like, there's so many layers to him and what's going on. But um, yeah, I just think he's like such a great, uh, in, he has so much insight into the way, the way new th- this new experiment has to go. Because I think he is so afraid of it just like devolving <laughs> to the, to like just defaulting to the old way where one of them inevitably accrues more power and takes over and now it's their way or the highway. So uh, yeah. Uh, I like and I like getting to write like political stuff like that. It's it's pretty fun. Some authors have spoken about characters they wrote, you know, speaking to them. You know, they've told them what was written was or was not them. You know, that character. So if one of your characters from Shadows Rising could speak to you about what you wrote, who would you expect it to be, and what would they say? <laughs> oh, that's easy. Uh, well, I wish, there's one I wish I could do, um, maybe, I'll, I'll talk about that another time, but, uh, <laughs> I know Zakan would be pretty, uh, he would have some strong words for me, and I would deserve it, and that's fine. Um, I think he would be pretty, pretty displeased with me. Uh, but, it's all for the narrative, buddy. Right, right, right. I love you, I, I love you, you're, you're a darling little lad, but, uh. It has I'm to, intrigued sometimes, now. Sometimes bad things have to happen <laughs> to good people. Um, so yeah, that's, that's he would probably be. He would have some adamant words, I think. Now, now <laughs> you're gonna have some of our listeners worried that some bad's gonna happen to Zakan because everybody just loves their zappy boy. <laughs> Can't do anything bad to him. You know, it's like the when you're when you're so pure, you paint a target on yourself. I gotta say, especially for especially for an evil person like me, I'm just like, well, <laughs> you want to hit people where it hurts. You're over here with your fingers and stuff. I, I, I can think of a certain uh, king to be that uh, was once that very uh, very person to 
Eh, you're a little too innocent. You need to come up. It's there. Yeah, I actually I feel the same way about Anduin. I I think I, actually Anduin would be pretty pleased with me, but um, yeah, I, I but I do I do dig down into him pretty deep in this book. I really uh, I can't stress enough how young he is and how young to launch he is, and uh, I just can't stop thinking about it. And when I'm writing the book, I don't stop thinking about it. I'm always I'm always coming back to that sense of like. How in God's name are you 18 years old? That's just too much. This is too much. This isn't fair. <laughs> it's easy to forget that they are that young, but they yeah. are. I think Talanji especially, I think a lot of people have actually, I mean, when I when I got the job, I was like, uh, okay, first question, how old is Talanji? <laughs> like, I don't actually know. I don't think it's ever, and it's never, st- you know, we actually we had to like co- co- have a conversation about it because I don't think it's ever actually stated in game, but she is 18 years old and I think physically, because she's so tall and stuff, I think it's easy to forget that she's very, very young. And uh, yeah, so I, I really just, I think about it constantly when I'm writing those characters. I mean, obviously, like, they're both of them. I, I mean, it's it's great in a sense because they're both groomed for this, right? They were both raised to be knowing they would probably be a ruler one day. So they have some cool similarities and some... Um, I think you can. I think you can sort of. Um, I don't want to say explain away, but it makes more sense that they're handling it the way they are because they were specifically raised right to to do this job. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I think I think Khan would be pretty upset. I think Anduin would be like, he would be happy. I think. I don't know. I think he would be like, why'd you have to tell everyone how I feel inside? <laughs> why did you have to expose me like why that? Why did you tell my feelings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure Anduin and Talanji could have some long conversations about the weight of uh, leadership. I God, I need to get the. I wish I could get them in a room together. I, I think that scene would be so freaking epic. I think they would have so much to talk about. I really do. I just think they'd be like great pen pals. <laughs> it's like you need like like anonymous pen pals, right? So they don't actually know who the other one is, and they can just like bare their souls. Like, yeah, because unlike Bane and Anduin, I mean, I, I don't see Talanji becoming buddies knowingly with an alliance leader. No, 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 she would not. She's not. Um, that's also a bit. You know, there's a lot of that in this book too. Of her sort of like thirst for revenge and uh, what that means and what what that looks like and. And some lessons around that, obviously, as well. So, All right, so you've now written two books in the WoW universe, and I'm curious if you're given an end goal or a specific, specific plot points that the developers of Blizzard would like you to hit so they'll match up as planned for the game, or is it the end result left up to you completely? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. I don't, <laughs> I don't get to make decisions. No, uh, I mean, there's certain chapters maybe where I got more freedom, you know, there's or certain like emotional beats where I got more freedom. But no, you're handed a very, very specific outline and uh, told very specific things. You know, like everybody keeps trying to pump me for information about this expansion. I'm like, I literally don't know. I'm not in the beta. (laughs) I'm not in the I'm not in the alpha. I was not given like any clandestine information unless it was directly applicable to something in the book. So I am the wrong person to to interrogate because I just I don't know I don't I, I could I can speculate but I don't I don't know so uh, no yeah you are you are not like this is not like you're handed the keys to the kingdom and you get to write whatever you want it is highly directed and there are many parameters so 
Um, I think that too is like an important thing for readers to keep in mind, right? Like if you were to be handed this job, you don't get to just do whatever you want. You don't get, it's not like, all right, fan fiction, woo, like anything goes. Like, no, you're, you're really uh, very restricted in you, what you're allowed you, to say. You're not king or queen for the day, right? No, absolutely not. And nor should you be. I mean, I don't, I know this world well. I know what I would like to do, but that I'm not making the game, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, it, I, there's all kinds of things I would like to change if I could, but that's not my decision. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's very much you're you're hired to do a specific a specific job, and you execute it. Cool. Uh, couple more questions. I think we have time for. So we're we're thinking we'd ask you some more fun questions just sure. now, as we're getting ready to wrap up here. <laughs> Before COVID hit, what type of things do you enjoy doing in your free time? Oh my goodness! Well, I was I like to cosplay, so I was really looking forward to convention season. That's that's gone now. Um, I also had just gotten into. I finally uh, li lived my teenage dream of like becoming a Regency Jane Austen, like, <laughs> like reenactment person, I guess. Uh, so I had like finally gotten a dress and I was going to go to this like really cute, they do, um, they do like a Regency picnic with the cherry blossoms here. It's beautiful. The pictures are stunning. And I was all ready. I had my fricking bonnet ready. I had my parasol ready and it was like, boom, COVID no Regency reenactment for you. So it's all just packed up now and I'm waiting. Hopefully next year I can I can make it. So that was a real bummer. Um, yeah, uh, we just, uh, we're in still in pretty early in phases here, but uh, I'm in Seattle, but um, at the my gym is a private gym. So there's really only like a few of us ever in there anyway, um, but that has finally opened. So, I finally get to go weightlift again. <laughs> That's my other passion. I'm a power lifter. So uh, I finally get to go lift weights again. It's the greatest feeling in the world. It sucks doing it in a mask, but that's that's life now. So uh, yeah, so I would, you know, like that, that's kind of the, the nerdy stuff I was into. A lot of my passions haven't really changed that much. Like I still hang out with my dogs all the time and I still play video games all the time and I cook all the time. So those things are taken care of. But um, yeah, some of my... <laughs> Some of my other hobbies definitely, definitely had to change, change for a little bit. And obviously I miss my friends and, uh, you know, I'm de just desperate for like uh, sitting at a bar, getting a cheeseburger with, with my friends. That would be, for sure. that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you as a player want to see happen in the expansion after Shadowlands? Oh my goodness. Um... Gosh, that is such a hard question. Again, I know so little about what happens in Shadowland that I don't even really feel qualified to like speculate. But player, just you know, no, definitely. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I, I mean, I always love like druid centric things. I would love anything more for druids. Just always, all the time, and night elves. Like you know, I think I'd love to see. Uh, I don't know. I, I. I there was there was like speculation on some of the YouTube channels about uh, like basically the the game going factionless where it was like there's no horde there's no alliance 
and you sort of like pick when you make your character. And I was actually kind of into that. I don't know. I, I just thought like the world has changed so much anyway. And uh, that, I don't know. There'd be something cool to that. Or maybe like a new faction. I think it'd be sweet if we got like a third yes. offshoot faction. That would really make me happy. Um, Cause I kind of think like it's almost getting too crowded. <laughs> like it's almost like, I mean, I love all the allied races. Don't get me wrong. I have one of each of them, but like, I don't know. I think it would be cool if there was almost like a revolt or uh, something, some kind. Because I feel like we've done so much to the world itself, right? Like there's been the cataclysm and all this stuff. I think it would be nice to see sort of a a splintering of of those things where you get sort of a third faction or you pick your faction or something. I mean, I don't. I again, I don't not have any insider information. That's just my personal my personal dream. That'd be amazing. I've wanted a third, like even like a third, third neutral faction or something for the yes. long time. Yeah, <laughs> I think because be I think some of them, like you know, again with a lot of the political stuff that happens in the book, it just becomes clear that there's so many clashing agendas that yeah. to me it almost makes more sense if there was like a third faction of people who are like, well, forget it. Like you don't actually represent us um, in a meaningful way. So between. You know, all of your, your gaming, you write stories for games and sci-fi and horror. And like you said, you do cosplay. Where did you get your awesome geeky start in life? I don't, I just feel like I was born into it. Like, I don't think there's ever been a part of my life where I wasn't, I, I just didn't even think there was another <laughs> way to be, I guess, until I got to high school and got bullied. But like, yeah. You know, I, I have two older brothers. They were, like, born into Star Wars. Then they raised me into Star Wars. That was sort of my first experience with, like, you know, geek stuff. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, I, I loved reading sci-fi fantasy growing up. So Lord of the Rings and, um, like, the Anne Rice vampire books and stuff, those were all hugely formative for me. Um, I think I saw the Fellowship of the Ring like 11 times in theaters or something outrageous like that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just never, it never wasn't a part of my life. Um, and then I think maybe a little bit in high school and college, I toned it down. I don't know. I felt a little like, maybe this isn't cool. Maybe I need to like be a secret nerd, you know? And then I grew up more and I realized like, who cares? Just be <laughs> who you are. And also too, I think it became sort of culturally like not a big deal to be into, you know, comic books and, and Star Wars and video games. So um, yeah, I think it's just always been part of my life. And then the older I get, the less I care about literally everything. I mean, I just don't care what people think of me anymore. So uh, it's very easy now to just be very open about those things. If you had to pick one book or book series to reread, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. There's actually a few books I reread every year, but I'll pick some a different one because I, those are like, I have a few go-to books that are just so good that I, I read them every year as if I could have somehow absorb their power. But, um, uh, I really wish I could, I was going to say Game of Thrones, but now it's like, I don't know. That's such a fraught thing now. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I like, I kind of wish I could experience them uh, for the first time again, but also maybe not because I don't know if we're ever going to actually see the end. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that one hurts a little bit. 
Yeah, definitely. The, um, there, okay, there's this there's this Anne Rice book called uh, Ramsey's the Damned, and I love it. It's like one of the it's when I read it, whenever I like look at it again, I'm like, oh, this explains so much. Like I feel like it's just like such a formative book for me as a person and as a definitely as a writer. So uh, if I could like experience that one for the first time again, that would be incredible. And also like I'll probably now having mentioned it, I'll probably reread it. But uh, yeah, that's a good one. I would say Little Women is a book I I haven't read. The, I mean, I just saw the, the movie, obviously, again, but I haven't reread it in a long time. And that that one's a, just like a, I don't know, a going home comfort book <laughs> for me. So um, and Lord of the Rings, I'll say I haven't read Lord of the Rings in a long time. Um, I read it back in college, I think was the last time I, I visited those books. So I'm probably do a, a reread on those. Ah, good ones, good ones. So I do believe we have one last question. Might be kind of hard. Okay. <laughs> what are your top five all favorite games? Uh, that's not that hard. Okay. <laughs> For me, that's really hard. <laughs> I can't put them in order. I, I just like okay, I have fair enough. I could not. I don't think I could pick a top spot. Um, okay. Well, World of Warcraft, obviously, I'll be run out of town if I don't say that. Uh, but it's also true. I'm not just, not just saying that to say it. Legit. Uh, yeah. So I would say World of Warcraft. I would say uh, Knights of the Old Republic. The first one. Um, I mean, I wish I could just umbrella all of them into one, but I don't know if that's allowed. And uh, Horizon Zero Dawn would also make that list for sure. A husband plays that. It's good. It's very good. And I would say uh, Dragon Age Origins and... I would also say, uh, prop. Uh, this may be a controversial pick, but Mass Effect Two would also be on that list. So, yeah, those would be my top five. All right. Well, how can people find you online? Sure. Um, I'm on Twitter at authoru a u t h o r o u x, and it's the same on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook if you just Google my or not Google. Well, you could Google it, but um. If you go to Facebook and search Madeline Rue, my fan page should pop up. And I'm pretty active on all those. I would say Twitter is the most active I am. And my email address is listed on my bio. So if you need to reach out, if you have any questions, um, feel free to email me. I'm sure many of us will have questions to reach out to you for after we read the book. <laughs> yes. And I will be like, listen, that they told me to do it. It's not, it's not my fault. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you very much for coming today, Madeline. I'm very so glad we've had a chance to talk to you. And uh, yeah, so far, what I've read in the book, really excited to read the rest of it. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. So I really, really appreciate the interview. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Madeline is, an, is a great interview. And uh, if you don't follow her on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, uh, author Rue, A-U-T-H-O-R-U-U-X. I think she said at the end of the interview, uh, but definitely go give her a follow. She's a lot of fun to follow. Uh, she's she's very clearly excited for this book as much as we are because she's a player herself. And I really enjoy when they have people who actually play the game, who know the world and know the characters in the world, writing novels for us. Because that means that we have people who, who know and, and grasp the import of what they're writing uh, when they're writing it for us. Uh, if you decide to get the audiobook, definitely please do... Uh, we'll have more of an audio. We'll have an audio clip from the book later uh, in our audible interview or audible ad. Um, but it's really awesome. I really recommend checking it out. 
I, I just, I just want to say it's very clear how much passion she has for this world just listening to the interview. I, I wasn't in the interview, but I edited it, and oh man, she she really she genuinely loves the like that this whole universe, and it's fantastic to hear it. And I'm very happy that she was given the opportunity to write another entry into the Warcraft universe outside of the Traveler series. Well, that being said, let's move on to our next topic. If you're hoping for anything current, like in game, uh, there's not there was not a lot of in game news like live, but but boy, was there a lot of stuff in the alpha, like a lot of stuff in the alpha, and I know some things that are making people very very happy, and some not quite so much. Um, so with this latest alpha build, we got a bunch of new things. We got some details about the soulbind effects and the different trees for that, and some of those are just are interesting and some are a little crazy. I'm not going to go over all of them because there are so many. There are 12 different soulbind traits, or trait trees. So that makes for a lot of different things. Um, one thing that's making me particularly happy, especially because it happens to be for the covenant that I am likely going to choose, is... The one for Theotar, the Mad Duke, from the Venthyr Covenant. There's something here called Impeccable Style, which is basically just a trait that means Theotar will cover the costs of my transmogs. So I can transmog like it's travel style all the time. And I, I am looking forward to that so much. And I, I can't. That pretty much sold me on Theotar alone. Um, but we got a bunch of other things, some of, some of which are kind of uh, kind of tie into some of the other changes we saw in Alpha. There was something about um, combat potions. Oh, that's for Theotar too. Excellent. <laughs> oh, I am I'm digging my choice for Venthyr. Covenant so far. So there's another talent called Refined Palette, which um, basically makes it so that the effects of your combat potions last anywhere from 10 to 100% longer. Which is a big deal, because included with this latest alpha build were some changes to combat potions, and that's that's an interesting one. Um, so, so when you, right now when you use a potion before combat, the, 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 uh, the cooldown will start, and at one point later on in the combat encounter, you can, you can use another potion. The thing that's being changed with combat potions is that, is that cooldown is being increased significantly. It's, uh, gonna be a five minute cooldown instead so, again, that's a long time, and, you know, like, not all fights are necessarily going to be five minutes long. There are some long fights, absolutely, where you'd be able to take advantage of potting multiple times, but that's probably not going to be the case anymore. But, in addition to this increased cooldown, in instances where the fight is longer than five minutes, you'll be able to use multiple in the encounter because we're not limited to 
the one potion per encounter anymore. Um, now, of course, you can still pre-pot. I mean, that's still a thing that you're able to do if you're wanting to cheese that cheese that cooldown a little bit. But realistically, the, the, the change here where you're not limited anymore kind of negates the need to do that. Um, I'm not sh entirely sure how, what to think of this change. Do you think there need to... Do you think need to, like, adjust encounters to account for that? Yeah, I, I don't think that'll be a necessary adjustment. I think where we are right now is fine. Like, hell, there are some encounters where people just don't use potions. I, I wouldn't have imagined they were going to balance things around people doing everything optimally to begin with. At least not in normal and heroic. Mythic is another beast entirely that I'm not qualified to respond to. But definitely with normal LFR and heroic, they're not going to balance stuff around people optimally potioning and all that other stuff. So I don't think any adjustments will need to be made in that regard. I'll be honest, I almost rarely, I almost rarely potion... No, even like doesn't matter. Like I, I, I just don't. Well, that's, and that's exactly it. That, that I mean, I, I'm sure you're not the only player who's taken that mindset, especially people who are you know more casually raiding. They're not super concerned about that kind of stuff. So that's why that's why I don't think adjustments would need to be made. I think in my head it's more like I'll think about trying to use a, a spell first, like a shield or a land hands. Rather than, where's my potions? No, oh, yeah, exactly. So th this will be an interesting change. I mean, it, 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 one of the things it'll do is like it, it's offering up a chance for you to use your potions in a more desired place for those longer fights. I can think of some instances right now where I prefer I would prefer to not have to pre-pot and instead delay that first potion for another point in the fight. Like, the Nazoth fight is a great example of that. I don't need to use my potion on the first one. Like, it's nice. It helps us get the it helps us get that first add down a bit faster. But it's not where I would like to do it. Where I prefer to use it is during the first burn phase. And by the time that cooldown would come up, assuming that five-minute cooldown in alpha, like, I'd be able to use it in another part of the fight where we're likely using Time Warp or her hero or whatever you want to call it. So there are there, there there are places where I can see that this kind of change would be welcomed. How this will how this will play out, don't know right now, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, a couple other notable things that have come in the alpha this week um if you're horde and in the alpha rejoice it could because if you want to take a crack at uh playing through exile's reach on the horde side of things and leveling up as a horde character you're able to do that so that experience is in the alpha right now um another cool thing for you hunter people so i'm looking specifically at you erlina um, your your pet stable has been increased from 60 pets to 200. That, that's I, I, a lot of pets. I have a hunter as well. I'm very excited for that. Uh, definitely, you know, pet collection is, is a thing. 
and is awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm very. What else changed? Uh, something for you, Mythic Plus people. The tyrannical effects, while in retail, uh, effect affects bosses and their minions. In the Shadowlands Alpha, it's been noted that it's only going to affect the boss's health now. So that's a nice little change, especially on the add heavy boss fights. What else was there? There was something else I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, profession stuff. As somebody who has neglected professions a lot and has usually ended up regretting it, um, there's looks like looks to be there looks to be some sort of profession catch up mechanic through a weekly thing called journals, where you're gonna gain five profession skill points, which is nice. Especially considering, like, I'm at I'm at a weird part in my leveling up of my engineering where I can't level up anything until I get the Mechagon stuff, and I haven't been back to Mechagon in a while. So it'd be nice to get those five points so I could just start using some other stuff that I have recipes for. Yeah, this will definitely help a lot. Um, like engineering, especially, has some pretty dire periods where uh, you you can't progress until you get certain things that require. Materials that you can't get easily. Uh, so this will definitely be very helpful for players who are wanting to experience those things without having to go through all the trouble of uh, trying to gather up those ingredients. Because I, I can recall, even in, in BFA, I've had issues where my professions can't be increased and I don't have access to the raid stuff that is required to, to raise them up, so... And one other small thing, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a small thing in terms of the actual change, but I'm sure it means a lot for certain members of the community. Um, there was an update to a specific NPC in Bastion called Pelagos. Um, uh, this isn't too, this, this little bit isn't spoilery, it doesn't say anything major. Um, so... Um, as we all know with Shadowlands, any, any of the characters that we come across in Shadowlands were, you know, is another form of somebody who had passed on the other side of the veil and they've taken on different forms in some cases. So Pelagos was one of those characters. Pelagos, when he was in the land of living, was a woman and now has not chosen to present himself as a male in the Shadowlands. Previously, in the Alpha, um, the pronouns used to refer to him were they and them, and they just made a change to to uh, so that he so that he was using he and him, and I'm, that's something I'm very happy about um, because you know it, it's just a it's just a decent thing to do. And I'm glad to see that they're that they've taken those steps, and I'm just happy to see a bit more representation in the game. There's not a lot of gay or trans representation in the game, and I'm, so I'm happy to see some of that's coming forward now, and they're, they're they're getting more comfortable doing more and more of this. So hopefully, hopefully they continue to be comfortable doing this and continue introducing characters like this. Absolutely. Um, and uh, Blizzard had made this feedback uh, as a result of... Uh, had made this change as a result of different feedback from the community regarding um, trans 
trans pronouns and stuff like that. So just yeah, they like they're learning. They're gonna make mistakes, and but it's ha- I'm happy to see that they were quick to address that. Absolutely, need to feel inclusive for the entire community. Exactly. That's about it. Uh, that's, those are some of the big points in that came out of the alpha this week, Medros. Um, was there anything that particularly stood out for you? Anything that you're excited about? I think you got all the stuff that I was excited about. Uh, the hunter stable being bigger is definitely nice. The uh, ability to advance without crafting certain at certain points in professions. Uh, I hope at some point they'll have the ability to do that. Um, for past expansions, because uh, I mean, I'd like to to see my legion professions get up max level and uh, my catacles and professions get up max level. Like, I'd like to see that happen at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just I hope that uh, we see that at some point in the in the near future. Uh, glad we're seeing it for the uh, current expansion that's going to be coming up, though. So that's good. Yep, it's a really good start. Okay, and on that note. Um... That's that's our news for this week. So I'm going to talk about our second sponsor. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download at bit.ly slash atareads2020. That's bit.ly slash atareads2020. Now nearly 500,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This week, as mentioned earlier, we're going to take a listen to the new World of Warcraft novel, Shadows Rising. Let's have a listen. Much as it surprised him, the dry heat and endless noise of Orgrimmar felt like home. Perhaps it was like returning to a wayward, peculiar family. One thrall had not necessarily chosen, but that he had come to respect. Thrall, son of Durotan, former war chief, had expected to recoil at the familiar sense and mayhem of the Horde city but he slipped back into its rhythm with surprising ease. In a way, the familiarity of it frightened him. Things had changed, of course. The Horde itself had changed. It had to. No longer could a single war chief rule them all. No. Like a strange family, the Horde had grown, suffered, expanded, retracted, and finally, he thought, They were beginning to find their feet not as different nations united by a single voice, but as a chorus of strong voices raised as one. Wolves grew stronger as a pack in numbers, and there in Gromash Hold, among the Horde Council, he saw many fine wolves at his side. So once again, that was World of Warcraft Shadows Rising, written by Madeline Rue and narrated by Susan Wakoma. You can find that and nearly 500,000 titles over at bit.ly slash atareads2020. And we'd like to thank Audible for their support of the show. You can get that uh, pre-order it today. It'll be available for you as soon as possible on the 14th. I completely forgot I pre-ordered it, and I went to pre-order it today. I'm like, oh, look at that. I already got it, so now I have another credit to use for something else. And if you already pre-ordered that, and you have another credit, I would recommend checking out the other book Madeline wrote, which is one of the uh, traveler book. She wrote the third tra- traveler book as well. Uh, definitely recommend checking that out as well. Cool. 
All right. So our question of the week for last week was, are you planning on being a participant in the AQ events or a casual observer and why? Well, Silas said, I had hoped to, but spending nine hours a day at my desk for the past four months has neutered my desire to spend any more time at my desk than necessary. Yeah, I can't argue with that logic. WikiBH says, no, because I'm still in the Barrens where I will remain trapped forever, as though my classic character is in some sort of purgatory. I mean, let's be fair here. I mean, that's just Barrens. Barrens is purgatory. Accurate. Uh, Scrubs VS says, casual observer, because I have slacked so horribly bad on my classic tune that I feel great shame, so I can't even log in and play him at the moment. Uh, WowHunter67 says, I'll probably watch the videos after. Joe says, AQ is not for me right now. And Seraphis says, been there, done that, what, 15 years ago? I watched my server crash hardcore at the as the entire place packed into Silophis. I'm good. I think I, I think I got his tone pretty good there. Yeah. All right. Next question is: What incredible out of left field lore are you looking to see out of Shadows Rising? And and, and to kind of put out there the the kind of answer I'm expecting, I'm going to say this: I'm expecting to see the reveal that Bane Bloodhoof is not actually Bane Bloodhoof, but five goblins in a trench coat masquerading as him. Not a trench coat, a fursuit. I'm looking forward to seeing that Matthias Shaw is actually undead. Was killed long ago, raised by Sylvanas, and has played a really long game. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing everybody else's hopefully very creative answers. This, this is what I want you guys to have fun with. All right. Uh, now for shoutouts. Uh, Toasty, you can go first. Um, okay. Uh, as we kind of touched on earlier in the show, it's been a very rough week for the WoW community, especially the WoW content creator community. Not only did we lose Haster, uh, for those of you who were unaware, um, Wreckful, a former WoW streamer and very good PvPer, um, also passed away last week. Um, and it's... It's not been an easy week for those of us in the WoW community who pay attention to uh, content creators and stuff like this. Like I, I've I've not watched any, I hadn't watched any of the any Rectal streams. I was aware of him, but by all accounts, uh, he was also one of those people who uh, just had this larger-than-life presence and had a profound impact on the people around him. So, to the families and friends of Haster and Wreckful, my thoughts are with you in this no-doubt difficult time. Um, I mean, I think no one listening to this will be surprised uh, that my shout-out goes to Haster. Um... Oh, uh, I feel his passing every day since I found out. And while the present pain will pass and the emotions will be dealt with, there will be no doubt times in coming months where his passing will become fresh again. 
while we don't have a BlizzCon this year, we'll have something virtual early next year. And his loss... His loss will be pre very, very present then. Because he was always there. Willing to help cover BlizzCon. And he did it with poise and knowledge and passion for World of Warcraft. His presence will never be filled. But hopefully over time that we can find a new place to stand. And that will always have the amazing memories that we had of his presence. I only met him once in person. But that has given me a lasting memory of the amazing person he was. And he'll always be missed. That's it. Let's do our retro. If you'd like to reach us by voicemail, you can call us at one seven eight five ATA Well Five or one seven eight five two eight two nine six nine five. You can send emails to show at allthingsazeroth.com. And if you like what we do here, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash allthingsaz. Join our new Battle.net group at bit.ly slash bnetata. Check out Ali's show at dungeonfables.com and Toasty's stream at twitch.tv slash toastypostycan. You can find the show over on Twitter at allthingsaz. Medros is at Medros. Vandeth is at Vandeth. Ali is at AliAndrusK. I'm at ToastyPostyCan, and you can find the network over at Dawnforge. And please check out the other shows from the Dawnforge network, including GroupQuest and Shattered Soulstone. And we'll be back next week. In the meantime, take care, happy hunting, and we'll see you on the other side of all this crazy. This podcast is part of the Dawnforge network. Copyright 2020.